let's look at employment, training and employment wow. opportunities for people with disabilities. That's a big topic, but it's something that we we need to at least highlight open the, the door mm -hmm. to the Pandora box and mm -hmm. begin to discuss it. And um, we're hoping that some of our friends will join us. I, I had sort of put out an invitation telling them some people who have an interest in employment for disabled people to come and join us and let us, let us wrap together. So I hope that they will do that. I think Damian McLean, chairman is of here. the blind, he's somewhere in the corridor. Though. Yes, I've, I've asked him to unmute. Yes. He, he should he should be on his way out the restroom. And um, Sharon McDonald, um, she was here momentarily. She should be back. She 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 might very well join us. And I asked a couple of other people. I've asked Therese Braham and um, Cecil Smith, who is one of those who um, worked all his life in a private company and is now retired. So. But I don't know if he has mastered Zoom enough to Zoom in, but we'll wait and see. Okay, where shall we begin, Chief Fire? Let's talk about statistics. Yes. Well, we talk about disabled people. Roughly how many people we're talking about in the world? Google says it's over a billion, you know. Mm-hmm. One billion disabled people. And that is a large number. Out of a population of what? What is the world's population like today? Wouldn't we say a good um, 7 billion, maybe? 4 to 7 billion, something? Mm, not entirely seven sure, billion. to be honest with you. And I'm not too sure, but whichever billion it is, it's a large number of people to be sitting at home twiddling their thumbs. When you consider that... For sure. More than more than 70% of the world's disabled population are unemployed. It's 70% in America, so I can imagine in different what we're looking at. What, what are we thinking in Jamaica, the percentage of unemployed blind people? God, I, I shudder to think. Um, All right, let's well, not talk about that. But I can easy, tell you. Well, I mean, guys, can we extend it as a persons that are living with disability or just stick to the yeah, well, unfor unfortunately, that's... Hello. Hello. What do you say, sir? Oh, no, I'm just checking that I'm being heard. Yes, oh, we can... Yes, we can... Oh, oh. I was going to tell you that some 2017 statistics mm. here is showing that the, the unemployment rate among persons with disabilities in Jamaica is as much as eight times higher than that of the national rate. And that in and of itself is... is That's eight out of ten. Overwhelming. No, I think the national average at the time, the, the national unemployment rate at the time was 9.2 nine, nine or somewhere there's a percent. 72, 73 somewhere around here right mm -hmm. so eight times that is bringing you out right and this was in up in 2017 so i can imagine that with covid having something to say about it 
that those figures may well have shifted both both nationally and even as it relates to persons with disabilities mm -hmm. although you will find that towards the end of covid things were beginning to change when it comes on to the employment the unemployment statistics for people who are not disabled and it's not likely to move in the same pattern with people who are yeah disabled. the trajectory wouldn't have been the same no in relation no. to persons with disabilities quite quite i was going to say before you gave us that useful piece of information that it might be easier to say how many people are employed rather than how many people are unemployed because the the the, the employment numbers are much smaller true true so that that is something that we need to look at now internationally people with disabilities always come off the worst when it comes to employment opportunities um, there was a time when government used to be the biggest employer of people with disabilities but i i get the feeling without statistics that that is falling off um i don't, um, know, I don't know i don't know that it is is this true off. Is is this true in Jamaica though? I, I don't know that it's falling off, you know, Wilbert. Hmm. What I, I think they are still the leading employer hmm. of persons with disabilities, hmm. but them in terms of recruiting and employing, that may have fallen off somewhat, but I think they still would reflect the largest employer of persons with disabilities so does that what, make you so what you are saying is that over time you're going to get a a, a fallout then if because, it continues yes if, it can, if the trend continues because yes when the current crop retire you won't have new people coming as many new people coming in as you once had exactly know, but that's how it looks to me Exactly. And it's not that they are not there to be recruited. No, they're there. It's and just they're, and not they're better, done. And they're better trained too. Yes. Because training... Precisely. But employment has not kept pace. Not at all. But I think, if I may, I think one of the, the greatest issues really this thing doing is... Oh, I forget, I can't lapse into the lingua cause of your audience no man I, 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 no go on say what you need be to say be yourself man. One of the, one of the we'll greatest. translate for you <laughs> <laughs> i think one of the greatest challenges out there though is is the attitude towards employing persons with disabilities because persons are well trained the technology is there to to close certain gaps so it is the attitude <coughs> of the employers. Mm. Dare we say willful ignorance? And no, I, I don't think it's willful in a lot of cases, you know. I, I, I think a lot of it is, is employers are not 
educated enough or they have some perception. And one of the first things that jump in a lot of these persons' mind is insurance liability. And without even asking any questions, once that comes up, they raise. Those issues come to the forefront of their minds. So when I speak to attitude, I'm speaking to it all around because persons with disabilities themselves too need mm -hmm. to understand their, their space in the setup because sometimes they themselves give off a certain attitude like an a, a air of entitlement entitlement or you, you the employer have to get this done because I am I have the support or I have the bucket for you to, to get and this I, done and I have and, need for it yes and it doesn't, it doesn't, while you might want to think that in theory, the practice of it does not work that way. So it's an attitudinal thing, I think, all around, both from the, the perspective of the person with the disability and from that of the employer. So if we can fix, if we can zone in and try to address these attitudinal issues, Mm -hmm. then I think we can affect the unemployment rate. But let's look at let's look at attitudes some more. Is that reflecting in the fact that we're not preparing people with disabilities adequately for these jobs? Would you say? Is it inadequate preparation? I'll let Damien go first on this one, and then I'll I'll give my statement on it. It is, it is inadequate um, preparation to an extent, because what, what my own experience, plus other persons, persons who, who are my mentors, mm. what I notice with us is that there are a lot of self-development actions or activities that we had to take on to get the success that we were able to to garner mm -hmm. so it, it, it is it is people yes need to be more prepared you have various entities that do employability skills training and you have schools that do personal development programs and so on and so forth but you can do all of those programs, but if you, as an individual, don't have the attitude to take on certain things for yourself and to, to build your own self and realize the importance of building and creating an independent you, then those programs won't help you, you know. So, I don't so, think those programs are lacking. True. But I, um, I always like to tell this story. That is so true. So, so true. I always like to tell this story of my own experience where when, when I first came to work, I had to prove to the people, not to the staff, you know, because the staff knows I'm qualified, but to the public. I had to prove to them that I had a certain level of competence. So even if you have the piece of paper, you're going to have to prove 
And I think there's there's a difference. Part of what I'm talking about, Wilbert. That's what I'm talking about when I say you in and of yourself have to have something that drives you to achieve, to do these things. Because if you don't have that, you could go to a million career development programs preparation for the world. You're not going to make it. And then there's there's two components to this right so you have two components you have confidence and you have competence right they sound very similar but they're two different things and and sometimes we have the confidence but we do not have the competence or you know vice versa some of us can talk really well with all the confidence right and some of us we can talk really well <clears throat> but when it comes down to actually doing the work, it's a totally different thing. I do feel that I do feel that um, you know there may be some inadequacies in preparation of people with disabilities, but I also think that part of that comes from us not being spe- specific enough about what we actually need, um, because most of the time your educators. Um, are not disabled in any way. And so sometimes it helps to be able to shed light and provide feedback on these things, you know. And so, and then beyond that, as we say, you have to be able to do some self-development. You have to be able to do some self-investment because even, you know, you can get, you know, we have, you know, employment, with people with disabilities, and then we have competitive employment. And anytime you have competitive employment, your edge is not the fact that you are disabled. Your edge is the value of work that you can do. But sometimes we think that our edge, our competitive edge, will be our disability, which will push us into certain places. But I remember, you know, one person, I remember my friend telling me that, you know, no one's holding a committee meeting to figure out how to make your life better, right? No, no. And so it's up to you to make the necessary things, to do the necessary things to get the change that you're looking for. Hmm. But one of the, one of the failings, and I, I don't know what if, how Damien feels about this, one of the failings of the Caribbean is the lack of a strong, what's the word now? The rehab program lacks employment officers who are really handholders. Hmm? Um, to a certain extent, they, 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 they go in there and they, they help you initially and they walk you through the process in a lot of jobs. But we don't, we don't have that in Jamaica. So an individual gets a job and he literally has to struggle on his or her own to make it. Isn't that in itself a limitation to development? I don't know how you feel about it. Wilbert. Hello? Yes, I'm with you, man. Oh, okay. It is it is an issue. I see it, it is a struggle. I I agree with you that the programs are lacking. But you you know you know what would help me though to 
to strengthen that point or what would encourage. I would want to see some statistics reflecting the the dropout rate of employment among persons with disabilities. Because I I, I don't think they are being employed. But it's Thus, not necessarily statistics won't necessarily give you the true picture. You know how Jamaica stay. In yeah, a lot of yeah, in, in, in a lot of instances true. they will sympathize with you and sideline you and pay you. But you think they are being employed? I don't I, I'm I, not I don't know. I can't say I, that I, with I, any certainty. I can't say that with but I know I mean, that, this this statistics is it always accurate? I don't that no. I don't know. I no, don't yeah, know. I mean give and take a few percentage yeah. points. Mm -hmm. yeah. But at least it would give you a guide some kind of a guideline. Right. You know, what, what is the population of the uh, persons living with disability in Jamaica? Uh, I don't know for sure. They, they, they are Let me look at it. They use this ten percent figure. They use a right. They use a, a, a WHO formula to to yeah. estimate it. One in ten. At about ten percent of the of the population. And I think because our population is probably at about 2.7 million. Right. 2.7, 2.8, somewhere around there. Because we need to look at the statistics because remember, not all... What I'm seeing is around 200,000 people, around 200,000 Jamaicans live with a disability Different in Jamaica. 200,000. How many of that 200,000 are unemployed? Are un unemployed? If we, if we can get a statistics, we'll be, that would be awesome. It, and then you you also we don't we don't even have to look at the employment the unemployment you know because it's a large number large number yes mm -hmm. it's, a, mm -hmm. it's well over seventy percent mm -hmm. of the two hundred thousand it's well over seventy percent mm -hmm. it's quite a lot it's quite a lot mm -hmm. no no in all fairness you have some marginal employment fields which i don't like and i don't recommend but some of them are there for example okay. you know that begging is an institutionalized profession <laughs> i did not know that and yes, a lot of people live by begging okay and maybe their income is is bigger than yours g file <laughs> Maybe I need a different profession. It's interesting. <laughs> it's it's interesting that you raise that because I have I have had conversations with one of two of the one or two of them in the streets, and they don't have time for what we have to offer. Like example, at the JSB. They don't have time for that because I am taking away from them. For them to come in and do a program with us for a day, I am taking away a mm. decent cut of money yes. from them yes. that they used to get by. Yes. So it's quite substantial. We, 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 we don't and, realize. And I guess, I guess that too leads to uh, a whole 
cultural dimension now too because so here's here's what i i think is at play and what i find interesting the, the jamaican public is likely to pity you and give you if you stretch out your hand you know <laughs> they are likely to respond that way mm. it's a west indian thing and then the person with disability now they have a mindset some of them have a mindset and a culture in terms of the begging thing because they've seen mm-hmm. don't think they don't have their own role models who have done it and and who have been successful mm-hmm. with it so it mm-hmm. comes together as a beautiful well i don't know if it's beautiful but it comes together as a melting pot that that is is pretty much cultural if you ask me mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. it is entrenched mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that is so true. Now, now, the big question is, how are you going to tell that individual not to beg and you don't have anything to, to replace it? Else to offer. Right. Yeah. You know? So, so, so I, I think it, it, can, it, is, it is psychological or it can be psychological. So if you won't win all souls, but if you can zone in on it psychologically, there are a few that you can get the point home to and offer them viable alternatives which can bring about change. But the point I was getting to is that those people are outside of the official statistics. True. You you, you get a skewed set of results because you're, you're not factoring them so in other words you're saying that it may well be higher yes yes but we don't know for sure right mm. now if you talk to them they're not going to tell you that they're not going to tell you that they ain't got no work no they, they're not going to tell you that but when you if you observe, if you can observe them in the bank line, you might get a different picture. And, and mm-hmm. this, this is all part of the hidden information that we can't get to. Right? Because Precisely. A, lot of them, a lot of them have assets, you know. Mm-hmm. But they continue to do the program. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Mm-hmm. I I like to talk about uh, the disabled dynamic from an American point of view, but we reached the top of the hour. Do we want to do we want to do any more questions before we take a break, or do we want to? Let's take a break now. Let's take a break and come back. No, and then we when we come back we'll pick it up. You are listening Absolutely. to UVC Radio, the sound that binds us together, and uh, we'll take a station break at this point. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So we're going to take a quick station break. If you would like to join the discussion, you can do so using the following meeting ID. That's 543-972-1652. Again, that's 543-972-1652. This is Tell It Like It Is on UVC Radio, the sound that binds us together. And so we don't have to beg. Let's pay a few bills. Calypso, Calypso. 
Hello, family and friends. The Calypso Soca Fever. Yes, you've got it right. It is the Calypso Soca Fever every Saturday from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Time and from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. UK Time with the Senator on the UVC Radio, the song that binds us together. Let's get it on. Hey, want a little energy in your Saturday? Then join King Rocco for the Weekend Crazy Hot Mix. Saturdays at 6 p.m. on UVC Radio. Come prepared for great music and great vibes. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be mad. It's gonna be turned way up. It's the Weekend Crazy Hot Mix with King Rocco on UVC Radio. The sound that binds us together. Together, 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 together. Hey, hey you! Join, join me, Trini G, on the road trip this and every Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy the sounds of soca, K-pop, Afrobeats, Plapso, and Steel Pan. We may check in on music festivals, your favorite artists across the globe while getting some health tips along the way. So so what can I say? See you on Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern as we enjoy the road trip with Trini G on UVC. Radio brings you Friday Night Vibes with King Rocco. Join King Rocco this and every Friday night as he brings you music from all across the globe. The the Friday Night Vibes is the mixed show with the vibes to kickstart your weekend. So check out the Friday Night Vibes with King Rocco from 9 p.m. until 11 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. until 10 p.m. Central right here on UVC Radio, the sound that binds us together. Monday can be a very hectic day, but here on UVC, we've got the right music to soothe your Monday blues. The Quiet Storm. Oh my God! Join me, DJ Kane, this and every Monday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern for The Quiet Storm. Calm, relaxing soul music to soothe you and prepare you for the rest of the week. The Quiet Storm with me, DJ Kane, this and every Monday, right here on UBC Radio, the sound that binds us together. UVC Radio. Shut up. The sound that binds us together. Welcome. Join us in listening to my great friend, Cool Cucumber, for, for a great afternoon praise. 
full of music, prayers, blessings, and lots more. Set your calendars every Sunday afternoon from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. All this happens in UVC Radio, the sound that binds us together. Are you experiencing the joys and complications of relationships or even have hidden regrets? Then come join me, Lady Anna, every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern for Lady Anna's Musical Mix, where I'll be playing selections of pop and soft rock ballads. So let the music alter your vibration by evoking positive and emotional chills and thrills within you. To join me this and every Wednesday on UVC Radio, the sound that binds us together. Hello listeners, join me, Mini Genie, the musical one, for my program, The Jukebox, right here on UVC Radio, Every Tuesday evening, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, you'll be getting segments such as All That Jazz, where I'll be playing the music of the voices you've grown to know and love all through the years in the jazz world. Ever had a favorite artist and wanted to know more about their music and their life stories? Well, who knows? Just maybe you might be lucky to hear them as I bring them center stage each week. I'll also be inviting you to throw your request coins in my wish fountain where I'll step in, pick them all up and make your musical wish come true. So why not keep me company as you have your dinner or that special glass of wine. So the invitation is yours to join me, Mini Genie, the musical one, for my program, The Jukebox. Every Tuesday evening, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on UBC Radio, the sound that binds us together. Are you one of those people who are always trying to keep up with your celebrities and still get frontline news? Yeah, 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 baby. Then, then, then look no further because the morning mix with your girl Spice is here on UVC Radio. She'll dish all the juiciest and latest hot topics concerning your celebrities and still give you frontline news right here on UVC Radio every Tuesday and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the morning mix with your girl Spice. So check it out. And don't forget, she'll also play all the latest music that you love and still give you the oldies that you desire. Right here on The Morning Mix on UBC Radio from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Every Tuesday and Thursday. Don't miss it. UBC Radio, the sound that binds us together. Well, ladies and gentlemen, after all of that, we are back with you guys and we are discussing training and unemployment of persons with disabilities. And so, 
I wanted to spend a few moments talking about how we do things for disabled people in America. So, of course, the dynamic is a little different. Y'all give me just a moment. Yeah, so essentially what we do in America is a little different because I feel like sometimes, to a certain degree, we fund our unemployment problem of persons with disabilities. Now, how do we do that? Well, because sometimes we spend more time trying to register people for government benefits than we do on actual training on finding employment. Um, another thing that is interesting to observe is that um, from persons with disabilities, it is almost discouraged for you to actually get off of your government benefits. I don't know how many people I've run across while working that will not take a higher paying job or will not take a higher paying position because they're afraid that they're going to lose their government benefits. There is a real fear of losing those government benefits. And reason being because it's kind of an all or nothing type of situation. If you decide that you're going to do something for yourself and you go just a little bit above poverty, then you're penalized for that. And if you decide to do nothing, then you can get a check, you can get food stamps, which is basically, you know, government assistance for groceries. You can get uh, subsidized or even free rent, just depending on how many children you can have at one time. And that's kind of how it is. So that's kind of my synopsis of kind of how we. I know only that as well, though. You know, you missing. You actually you can get money for all of your kids as well, too. Well, that's what I'm talking about. You, you know, it depends on how many kids you have, how much grocery benefits, and whether or not you can get free rent. If you decide to do nothing, it's it's almost more expedient for you as a disabled person in America to do nothing than it is for you to try to do something. Sounds like you're paid to do that. Yes, you are. You are compensated to do nothing. So I basically pay you to stay home. I, I spoke to one person. I was doing my, I do a yearly review with the Social Security Administration because even though they say I make too much to make anything, um, you know, I still have to do my yearly review or whatever the case may be. And one of the things a lady had asked me because, like, what I make, what I was making at the time as a customer service representative was really barely enough to get by on after all things considered. And she's like, well, why do you work? I mean, if you don't work, you could get money to pay for your rent. You could get money for this. You get money for that. And you have two kids, so you could get, she you know, almost... you not to work. Yes, yes, because people... It, it, even, like, now I have people calling me from this agency that's supposed to help people um, get employed. And it's like, oh, well... Um, you know, are you, you know, how much, how much, how much money, how much money are you making? And when you tell people the money that you're making, then the next thing that happens is they start trying to leverage your money in situations like that, where basically, you know, um, you're put in a position where it's really up to you to be able to figure out, okay, well, now they say, well, now you're making too much money. So the money that we gave you to uh, sit at home and do nothing, you're going to have to pay us that back. 
And during the pandemic, it was worse. It was worse than that during the pandemic just because of the fact that we had someone in charge of reporting that income, but whoever that was didn't do what they were supposed to do. So then you end up, they, they still end up coming for you. Mm-hmm. So you're almost Gary. disciplined for doing something for yourself. Gary, mm-hmm. it's a case where if, if you're on disability, as they call it, that's what I see in the courts. If you are on the benefit right. and then you get a job, Mm-hmm. You see, you have to pay. You see, the benefit once you get the job. You have to pay back the money. Yes, because what what happens is it every every dollar that you make deciding that you're going to work, you could potentially have to pay back. You can do a waiver, but what's interesting is <laughs> I talked to somebody today, and the lady said to me, she's like, "Well, you know." Um, we can help you get back on your benefits faster if your disability should flare up again. I'm like, well, shit. I mean, um, I've, I've got kind of a permanent type situation. Unless I start seeing strobe lights or flashing lights in front of my eyes, then, you know, that's a different kind of flare up. But uh, this is always with me. You know, are you aware that I'm blind? And she's like, well, um, after looking at your file. but And that's the thing, like. Some people, their records are messed up. Like one time they were telling me there was like, well, you owe $10,000. Um, in overpayment and then it's like um, your record says you have temporary disability I'm like well I promise you I didn't take my back out <laughs> it's just it's incredible temporary if you are blind if you are totally blind well Mr. Will I just want to know when was the last time your disability really flared up on you I've lived with it all my life so it can't flare up I just want to know when when's the last time somebody had a flare up I don't know. I don't know. I, I, but I find the whole concept skewed. It, it, it is because, but, but that's the thing. And then it's, but it, the thing is, it's, it's bigger than just disability because it's really the way that we politicize things in America as well. Those that do for themselves and earn for themselves should pay for those that don't want to do anything. So it's not just a disability thing. It's, it's really across the, the spectrum. But if, if you are a person who decides to, you know, do that, then you, you really committed the capital offense. Well, that's a, that's a total different reality in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And, and more so... But technically in the U.S., we promote the, unemployment. The, yeah, we, that's why I say we fund our own unemployment. The Caribbean and Jamaica... And, and I can speak of the Jamaican reality. You have to forage to find your way, or else having a disability, it's do or you're die. gonna be under pressure. Yes. In terms of survival, nobody yes. pays you to have a disability. I mean, we have a we have a program now, a, a social protection program. That's the the PATH program. And that is is um, provided for all vulnerable persons, mainly children, people with disabilities. People with disabilities is one of the targeted groups under the PATH program. And I can tell you that what is paid out is still not sufficient for persons. To live oh, that's what I'm thinking. Of course not. Yeah, but see, we are... 
in in this country in this country we are really awarded for sitting around doing nothing mm-hmm. and and that's why so many i and people that i've worked with you know over the years i say why don't you try to you know push for a higher position or why don't you try to you know cuz me i'm in the same position they are i mean i'm you know being penalized for you know trying to find better work or this or that and but it's like i cannot i, I, I don't want to get shipped well hey i don't know man i don't think it's the way to go i almost feel like i don't know i just yeah it's yeah. it's because there's a sense of achievement well I, yeah because I, regardless i know there's a sense of right regardless if it's do or die even if you have to forge for for what you're getting the thing is you get what you, you get what you get with a certain amount of dignity all right even exactly. if it's even if it is even if it is begging right at the end of the day i've said this over and over the nicest feeling is that feeling you get when you hold your first paycheck or you own, or you earn your own money i mean we can call it begging but we could also call it entrepreneurship it's a nice feeling we could call it entrepreneurship you know i'm sure not everybody just stands out and asks for money i'm sure some people they sell food they might sell cd's they might sell they're whatever you know what i'm saying they're still earning they're still earning you're still earning money not a social man mhm and meanwhile when i finally do decide i want to work and i want to provide for my family then my taxes pay for all the people that don't want to do anything hmm. do you Damien, I don't know if maybe you and Rocco can help me with this one. Do you think that um, disabled people manage money well? Um, do I think disabled people manage money well? Yeah. I think that I think they can. I think in the main they do. I think what happened though I think being disabled is an expensive venture so it it yeah, may come across yeah. that they don't manage money well but it's not a case of not managing money well it's a matter of the additional expenses that so that's required expense yeah need that you have because you have a disability mm-hmm. I mean somebody that is so in true. a wheelchair and needing to take a cab to somewhere is a different fee you got to pay as opposed to if you're everybody mm-hmm. and taking the same cab somebody you got um, to pay for your self job here yeah exactly if if you don't have a, as a blind person you don't have a computer for yourself or your company don't provide it with the requisite software that you have to pay for if, if that's not there you can't function so yeah. so there are mm-hmm. additional expenses expense that yeah. mm-hmm. comes with being disabled that you have to spend money on so it's easy for you to appear as if you don't you're not um, like you, you cannot manage mm-hmm. yeah and also let's be fair even from the american side of things um you know the income that you earn from the government it's it's not like you're making a whole lot of money right it's really um 
based on the cost of living, which, so honestly, yes, it is something, but it's still, you just, it's just mere survival, right? So by the time you, because the government knows how much you make, and so the government knows how much to charge you for rent and all these other different things, because it all kind of goes right back to them. I think we have Terry's. And, and you know, we haven't Terry's even, we haven't even today. Yes, Mr. Will, I am here. What's going on? No, but I'm fine. Uh, hold on, guys. I think we are getting like a hold on, hold on. I think we are getting like a latency. So maybe one of one of us can one of us can speak at a time. Yeah, getting a clash. Hey, Mister Risa. Can you tell us a little bit about what is happening as far as employment goes in Abilities Foundation? You, you, you I know you train people at Abilities Foundation. What what is it like? Are you getting jobs for those persons now? Are you not on a wide scale? Not even as we had it before. It has mm. scaled down significantly. It's more tightened now, and I wouldn't say it's because of the COVID. Because you saw things tightening up a little before the COVID. So it's really, you have to be even there when they have graduated to motivate them not to give up and to be encouraging them to become entrepreneurs because for them to get into a job they were trained into, it's not welcoming like that. Okay. So so placement isn't easy. No, it isn't. All. No, it isn't. What is it, what is what is going to happen then? What is going to happen um, generally, Damian? You think in, in the disability sector, as far as employment is concerned? Because why ask this question? Look, take one take one um, aspect of employment: telephone operating. You know that we lag behind in terms of technology and technology development. When they change out these new equipment and bring in new ones, it's going to be even more difficult for people to access them unless they are trained prior to the use of the new technology. So what is going to happen? Any idea? Well, I think, I think that people with disabilities are going to have to do a lot of lobbying on their own to to get the results that they want because earlier on we were making the point about falling off whether or not government is falling off in terms of employment it's a case where yes they may be falling off but at the same time they're still not things like when the technology come and getting the training done. A lot of times you find that they are not keen on that. You know? Mm-hmm. So, it, a, a lot of it is going to rest with people with disabilities to, to lobby, to organize their own training. And this now leads me to the whole matter of entrepreneurship. Because if, if we are not at the point are if persons, employers are unwilling for whatever reason to, 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 to train, to update, to get the technologies necessary, to change their, their attitude. If they are not up for that, then the other way out is, is the whole matter of entrepreneurship. 
But then you know, you we have to train ourselves. Step back a little Check. bit. How can Say I again? lobby? How can I lobby for my own development if I don't know what's out there? It's hard to lobby where you don't know what is available. In many, in, I don't know if you see where I'm going. In many instances, you want to go forward, but you don't know how because you don't know what is available and what the possibilities are. Um, in terms of, yes, yeah, so the agencies, I would think. Hello? Yes, man. You hear me? So yes. the agencies, I think, mm. also has a role to play. Plus, persons with disabilities, again, and I keep going back to them because you have your own destiny in your hand. I mean, mm. Wilbert, in your time, you would have had to dig and search because there was no internet for you. There was no WhatsApp. It's a, a magazine. It's a magazine. I read that gave me the information. And it would come to you every the, the one for January would probably reach in uh, March, um March. April, yes. March April. Yes. So so persons with disabilities today are in a much better position in mm. terms of answering that question because the internet is there, the the technology to access the internet is there. Far more seminars and workshops are being done in real time. So they themselves, the onus is on them to get in these spaces. Mm. Again, the agencies themselves, though, have a role to play in terms of information gathering and information sharing. Because if, if this is not done, then they can't know or it's more difficult for them to know. And sometimes the, the, the agencies serving persons with disabilities serve as the, what's the word? Serves as the, their source, their main source, their support. That's what they lead in terms of going forward. So the agencies have to realize that role and know that it's a critical role and make use of it. Let me ask, let me ask Sashana. Sashana has joined us. Um, she hasn't participated yet. Uh, but Sashana, really good to have you joining us. What are your views about lobbying? Would you know what to lobby for? Or you still think that agencies need to provide you with more information that you can make informed choices? How do you feel about it? So I've asked her to unmute, but Depending on her device, I'm not sure if she's mastered the concept quite yet. Okay, all right. So, 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 Therese, you you want to jump in on that one then? Everybody mute. Wait for it. Sorry about that. It was giving me a trouble to unmute. Okay. So, yeah. well, the honest truth is we can't wait on the agency. As Damien says, we have to do some of it on our own. It's going to be tedious at times. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm getting the view that the agency is trying to appoint and yes, they are to do what is out there as their mandate to do. But some of the times when you see it, you can't sit and wait on them. So you have that's to start knocking. Like, that sounds like frustration. 
you have to start knocking on for sure sometimes to evil sometimes when you start knocking in you know, and believe it or not the mm-hmm. agency see where you're going and they're jumping and give some support to it but sometimes you have to do it that way then also i think it also comes down to 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 self-worth as well i've seen many people you know kind of offer themselves you know whether their their services or whatnot for free in an effort to you know prove their capabilities as a person with a disability and what you sometimes have is you have people businesses that capitalize on that as well and so it's important to and and that's can be tricky sometimes as well but to be able to show people that you're an asset and at the same time uh demand a certain standard of pay or compensation based on what you're doing and of course each situation you have to negotiate those waters carefully um i also think that you have to you have to build alliances with people that are trying to go where you're trying to go if you're on a certain level of thinking then you then have to um unite with people who may be able to help you because that's their line of thinking as well um for me my biggest thing is you leverage technology to get where you want to go a lot of times with these remote positions it's not a matter of you know whether or not you can see or not um oftentimes it's whether or not you can get the work done and you can achieve the level of productivity you know for you know that that is equal to the next person the thing you have to be careful with is you know if you're not able to achieve that level of productivity you figure out how to do that and you do so in such a way that um you know you you achieve that level but you don't blame your lack of productivity on your disability right because that's you're shooting yourself in the foot people a lot of people volunteer as you say in order to put themselves out there for marketing but in the caribbean i find that you're taken advantage of because you volunteer and people will use your services but when it comes on to being paid nobody remembers you has anybody had that experience Therese, you have had any experience with that volunteering for a position but not being paid for it not personally but i know other disabled who have gone through it and yes volunteering is good but as you said they will just look at it as using a service for a right. period of time because they don't have to pay somebody in that position mm-hmm. but immediately when they have the funds to pay you necessarily won't be the person that they look for right. not that, that's you not try your best so that's yeah. one of the drawbacks yeah. that's what i'm talking about as far as people capitalizing people of businesses capitalizing on the fact that they know that you're trying to get somewhere and they mm-hmm. they play on your feelings because some people feel like maybe i'm not worth not worth getting paid anything because i'm disabled mm-hmm. you know you know interestingly area is that point and i i find that a lot of agencies serving persons with disabilities are guilty of that kind of behavior yes we find yes. it hard if 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 the person without a disability come 
we try to eke out a way or find some way to let them be paid or we give them some sort of compensation because them come and help us. But when somebody with a disability in an agency, a lot of times this thing, they take advantage of it. And I, I, have, I have come to see that and it's something that in whatever way I can change it, I try my best to do so. But at the agencies serving persons with disabilities can be very mm -hmm. careful of that practice. Mm -hmm. I, have, I, have found True. That, I have found that the agencies that are not necessarily serving people with disabilities are much more open to give you opportunities to grow. Mm -hmm. That, Certainly, that's, you're so right, wise, Willie. It's a strange thing, but let's so right. take let's take these um these these blind sheltered workshops, for example. Yeah. And no, they're not called they're not called blind sheltered workshops. That's just a name that I call them. Um, no, but they're that's what they are. right, and their main purpose is to employ blind people. Now, here's the thing: the vision is to provide meaningful employment to blind people. And a person works in one of these places mm -hmm. for fifty years and makes file folders, and and we have to and 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 we have to legislate to say to these companies, pay these people minimum wage, because otherwise they'll get paid two three dollars an hour and mm -hmm. nobody will say any different. And also, further now mm -hmm. these organizations are finding themselves in a crisis because blind people are waking up to the reality that, you know what, I don't have to put up with this. And so what happens then is you have people like Amazon, you have a recruiter from Amazon come in and say, you know, you're doing this for a mere $7.25 an hour, which is minimum wage, but I can pay you seventeen fifty. Do you want to come work for us? And so now these, these organizations that were making millions of billions of dollars capitalizing on the fact that they know that a lot of these blind people feel like they don't have anywhere else to go. Now they find themselves in a position where they can't, mm -hmm. they can't hire enough blind people because blind people are moving on to other fields or different things like that. And my yes. hope is that this, mm -hmm. this trend would not only be um, an American or a European or Canadian trend, but my hope is that this transfers into the Caribbean as Worldwide. well. And so for for me, the ultimate vision is to create opportunities where, you know, those internationally can capitalize off of the skill and the knowledge of understanding either the use of technology or the importance of digital accessibility so that they can be in a position that they've never been in before. So for me, that's... That's my thing right there. I don't believe in limiting people's abilities to move forward. But on the other hand, have we ever developed a list of possible jobs that um, we could encourage blind people to go into? Not, not meaningful ones. We, we haven't done enough. I'd say here in America, we haven't done enough to really be serious about providing meaningful, competitive employment to, 
to people is with disabilities. Is there anything wrong with doing that, or would we be limiting people? You think, Damien, is still there? Maybe Damien has gone. Okay, because he said he was going to leave at six. Um, I'm still here. I'm oh, still here, here, Wilbur. Is there any part? Am I? Am I? Am I? Doing saying something that is wrong, or you think that meaning meaningful guidelines for jobs could be developed internationally? I I don't want to limit people, but on the other hand, we need to give them some kind of a guideline. What do you think? All right, so there, there's there's a model, and forgive my background because I am in transit, so I, okay. I'll be brief and That's all right. then I'll I'll go. But yeah. basically, I I think some sort of a model can be developed and should be developed, and maybe it even exists already too, because there is some document that I'm trying to get my hands on as it relates to Jamaica, where I think, the, where it is being stated, I've always heard it banded around, but I haven't seen the document myself, where the government has a quarter of jobs. I think 5% or up to 5% of the jobs in the public sector should be filled by persons with disabilities. I'm, I'm I can't get, tell you where it is, but I've heard it. But I've I've heard it. I've heard it so often, you know. But yes. if you couple, if you if you actually build out a policy position like that, and then you couple it with something like some tax exemption set up for private sector entities that employ persons with disabilities, then I think you can have a a working model. And then you would do it on the premise. It has to be on the premise that these persons are qualified and mm -hmm. meet the qualification levels of job, the jobs in question. You know, but I do think that a combination of a model like that can yield some results, especially in the beginning as it relates to changing the attitude. But so I think if you, once that gets going over time, we will achieve attitudinal change and then we will find that employing persons with disabilities does not necessarily have to be so difficult after all. Supposing we could put that law into effect tomorrow morning, would we find enough people to fill that 5%? I don't, mm. I, I don't think so. Mm -mm. I don't I don't think so. I doubt it. Because much. because on the other side, you know, is the educational levels, you know. Yes. And I keep telling people that make yourself qualified so that when the opportunity comes, you can yeah, you'll be you ready. can make use of it. Yeah. When you're not qualified and the opportunity comes, you can't do nothing about it. No. If you so look at the educational levels of our they have a way to go in the in the community of persons with disabilities and another area that i think they need to we need to look at seriously too are um what i call task oriented jobs are simple jobs so mm -hmm. there are some persons with disabilities who they'll never they'll never have a, a degree they'll never 
be able to achieve at, uh, educationally at certain levels. Mm-hmm. But if you give them a, a, a repetitive task, if they are to wash cars, if they are to um, clean earphones, like what they used to do in the Air Jamaica program, things like those are also jobs, tasks get that it done. they can do to also earn. So it's not just at the right. high end we're looking at jobs now or at, or at the, the, the educational level of the spectrum. Right. We now have to look at it at all levels because persons with disabilities, not mm-hmm. all of them will reach a certain level and all of they can do True. something. You employ Damien, there's True. a filter down effect. What used to happen with some of these programs is that somebody at the top got the contract and then hired disabled people and paid them little or nothing right to do the job and the rest went into the organization we so in other words we would have to look at the structure again yeah but the, the legislative framework today i think is different doing on okay. so okay. if if you sit down if, if somebody sit down and allow that allow that to happen to them it's because they are not well at least i think they are not tapping into the legislative framework or whatever um sources uh, uh, industrial relations sources that are out there that can help them to rectify that but i think we've come a long way in terms of the legislation and in terms of our industrial relations climate to, mm-hmm. to remedy a situation like that okay you know the education they are going back to it there are several rungs on on the ladder education then training you have to be educated first then trained then employed um i'm not equipped yes training is the level at which you are you're equipped with the necessary skills to go into employment also the necessary technology you know one time we we were um doing a class um recently UVC and um friend of mine John Lee we were doing a class on you know just prerequisites needed for digital accessibility training and one of the things we thought about was you know creating a grant so that you know people who wanted to be employed you know in fields of technology would be able to you know um afford you know jobs or different things like that and honestly we also talked about you know what would it take for someone in the caribbean in one of the one of these countries to approach freedom scientific or you know and and to say you know we have um persons with disabilities who may need you know who need access to jobs and what would that look like and i think sometimes it's really just a matter of asking the question because philanthropy is a big thing and philanthropy is not always given a handout as much as it is sometimes just given a hand up mm. but how do we point people in that but, direction but hold on wilbert gary mhm 
I hear you raise that point. But what I find, though, is that places like Freedom Scientific and so, I find that they are very limited in terms of opportunities outside of the, the U.S., really. And yeah, and that is, that is also a part of the challenge because that's true. NIB have some good programs. Um, RNIB has some good programs. Some programs are in Australia. Some programs, um, you talk about the jazz, the whole jazz setup. Some good offerings are there, really and truly. But if, if you check it outside of the respective countries, it's difficult for somebody with a disability to access these opportunities. Has there ever been, but has there ever been situations where people with disabilities in the Caribbean have um, approached these companies and voiced their concerns? Or is it just a matter of, you know, well, it ain't in our country, so, and that's the end of the story? I don't know about No, no. I, 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 I did some exploration some probably 10, where are we now, 22. 10, 12 years ago, because we had, my name, Ted Henter. Ted Henter. Yeah, uh, Henter Joyce, yeah. Ted yeah, there, he, there, we had a huge conference down here back then, a technological conference. Yes. And, and the, some of these conversations were held with him and even Torres was here too at that conference. We had these conversations, but it, it, it was a difficult because I think they get, I think there is some benefit that is attached to what they do in the country. And if they should do it of outside course. of the country, something like some subsidies or so would have been removed. So the cost factor and all of those things would have been different. You know, I mean, I don't know what, it, what the landscape is like today. It is something that I should probably explore again. But I know that a lot of times, of the opportunities outside of the countries are difficult. I was told... Especially was told, to those in developing countries. Damien, I was told some years ago that the only... Any, any discussion that will take place with the then Freedom Scientific would have to be through Torres Foundation, which I found strange. You're going, you, you want to reach one big foundation and you have to go through another one. Well, there's always bureaucracy with these things. So, but that's just some of the limitations that we have. Found. I don't know. Some, sometimes I wonder how hard, how hard would it be, um, you know, for persons like myself and maybe to get 10 other, you know, 10 other people and say, you know what, how much do you think we could give to ensuring that people could have access to JAWS? You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes I feel like it's so overly complicated. Sometimes we just overly complicate it to such a degree where, point now where you know, I don't pay much attention to JAWS. Well, that's, that's fair, but the problem is in corporate, is in corporate, that is the, the problem you know, I, I'm gonna be taking my leave. Okay, Damien. Really appreciate. We really appreciate you, man. For most of the program, and thanks for your input.
We certainly appreciate your input. Now, definitely hit you up, man. For it sure. has been a pleasure. I, I enjoy sharing. Yeah. And you yeah. guys know, once the forum is open, feel free to All just right. in, invite me. Yeah, man. And definitely. I'll put in a show. In. All right, thanks. So I'll do the rest of the show now. Good, good. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's, it's interesting. You're about to walk away because I was just about to talk about how what Apple is doing to kind of leverage the playing field um, for people with disabilities. Yes. Oh, uh, the, uh, the spoiler. Share that with us. Well, you know, Apple, of course, has Zoom. We, it has um, VoiceOver. It has all of these different segues where you can access Apple products. The issue is that the larger market share, at least in corporate, is going to be Windows. And JAWS is what people look at from a corporate perspective. Um, even in testing, a lot of times when you're doing testing for websites or applications for digital accessibility, we're not really testing from the perspective of NVDA. We're really testing from the perspective of JAWS, whether or not something is accessible from a Windows perspective, would, would which you, is interesting. You don't see it, you don't see it as, a, as a bigger company trying to to bully the market, to really capture the market. Um, no, because honestly, if Microsoft wanted to, they could create their own, you know, the narrator has really come a long way and almost feel like it's an honor system. Almost feel like Microsoft is, almost feel like they shook hands with Freedom Scientific to say, you know, we're not going to make, you know, a, a screen reader comparable to JAWS because then we put Freedom Scientific out of business. Yeah, but that is like a, a gentleman agreement between... Yeah, a gentleman agreement. Yeah. A, a good old boy's agreement. But why... Why why NVDA would not get the same level of respect? Because they're, cause they're open source and, and they're free. I mean, it's the same thing when we look at, you know, iOS and Android. You know what I'm saying? Um Android doesn't really get the same respect um, as iOS. But in some respects, you can get more done. Sometimes you can get more done with Android. But it's, it's, it's unfortunately, it's just, just the way it is. Because take, for example, when you train a student in IT and you, you might have all the equipment to train them, but when they graduate, you can't hand them a software and say, use this, you know, um, on your personal computer. Because it's too expensive and they can't afford to buy it themselves. Now, that puts them at a disadvantage because, as you know, if you learn something and you don't use it, you lose it. Right. But I do think that for those of us that are... Uh, entrepreneurs or people, um, you know, who use our computers personally. Um, Jones is not a necessity, right? Um, it's something you should still keep up with. But yeah. really, you know, from a corporate perspective, you're going to need to know how to use Jones because that's what corporate expects. But honestly, NVDA is a lot more flexible. I remember I used to, you know, fix people's computers. All I had to do was just 
you know, plug in a flash drive and I could, I had a full screen reader I could use to fix mm-hmm. computers. A portable. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Just create that. I mean, it was amazing to be able to, but, I could but, I could never do something like that with JAWS. But I think you can actually even remote somebody's computer from your phone with the NVDA. What is this remote thing? Something about mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. But let's look at the dynamic as well. Because let's look at a certain country. Um, the price of JAWS, that is more than a month wages for someone in some countries. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, yes. So, I mean... Yeah. yeah, and then and what's funny is you know go on. what's funny is that JAWS is subsidized in developing countries, but not not emerging income countries. Like it's subsidized in the U.S. and the U.K. and Canada, but outside of that, you don't get that advantage. I tell you, the screen reader that I'm looking at closely is narrator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, narrator. If if narrator. if we can ever get over the gentleman's agreement. Way yes. Narrator. But let's let's look at this right now with um, Gary and Mr. Wilbur. Um, between this whole COVID thing, Freedom Scientific was given like a discount price. So I can't remember the whole thing, but I think no K through twelve you could use it for free. Yeah, mm-hmm. K through twelve you could use it for free. Yeah, but then but, but then. this whole screen reader thing with Jaws, it was only eligible in the United States and Canada, not outside of the US or Canada. I mean, that's I'm correct. Yes, I don't it, know if you remember. It, it was, Pro- it was well, probably because the government was offering stimulus to these companies as no, well. No, it was you could get you could get free screen re- reader access, but you had to go through Torres. That's what I'm telling you. Mm. You had to go through Ansel Torres, who lives in the states. But has the Caribbean market, as far as Vispero is concerned. Interesting. So, but like I say, sometimes you know, I just, I just, I just sometimes, like I said before, sometimes I just wonder, like, how complicated would it be to get me and maybe like ten other people together and be like, you know, let's let's create a grant and try to help some people get what they need, like. Sometimes. The first thing you would have to do is get the Caribbean market for Vispero. I think the bit, but but the only way to do that is like we said before, making sure we have people in position. You got to have people who are ready to 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 take on the opportunities. Ready with the competence and the right, finances. exactly. And I think I think that's our biggest thing is having people. Ready, ready and hungry. Yes. We have the hungry part, but we don't always have the ready part. So what we're what we're actually what's coming out of the discussion is that unemployment is high. We need more training opportunities. People with disabilities need to begin to make their voices heard and to lobby more. Those are the main things coming out of our discussion. And be ready. You guys have any more to add? Um, As I say, just just to be ready, to to really do what you can to be ready. Mm. And if you don't know what that looks like, reach out. I think it's been a wonderful discussion this evening, definitely. I want to thank everybody definitely who come through.
tonight and stuff like that. It was some really great, valid um, point was across the board. Mm-hmm. And as you said, we all just need to be ready. Yes. So, listeners, we have come to the end of another stimulating discussion. And I trust that it has left you with food for thought and that you will act on these things. So, for today, I'm going to leave you. And as always, I'm going to say peace.